Who back when? when? Shazam Bing Bong Podcast Land. Welcome to yet another retrospective episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. That's right. Today we are retrospecting the 14th Doctor. Ooh, I. Yes, uh, indeed. At least that's what they call him. What do numbers even mean anymore? And. <laughs> What do hosts even call themselves anymore? Well, I am called Drew Back When, but far more importantly, opposite me, by hosting this podcast, (laughs) because that's so fashionable at the moment, we've got Leon. Hello. Hello, Drew. Hello, podcast land. Yes, it is. I I don't know about far more importantly, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, David Tennant, here he went again. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing. I've got nothing. You've got nothing. No high level at all. Is it just <laughs> oh, we're high leveling? Kaleidosco- kaleidoscopically chaotic for you to summarise. Well, there's not that much to summarise. We have this doctor for three episodes. Yeah, we are going to get into how he maybe plants his flag and puts himself on the map, the, the timeline of doctors, and how he differs from his prior incarnations and so on and so forth. But I mean, we don't get him for very much. No, not on telly anyway, because apparently he's still off living his best life, getting therapy, his best of all his many lives, in fact. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do have a couple of introductory questions that sort of touch upon this. I think we need to talk about the prospective 14th Doctor. Let's just say I can probably summarize all of my bullet points under that heading. Prospective? Yeah, because are we done with the 14th Doctor? Oh, I see! Are there going to be more adventures? Surely this opens up the door for lots of big Finnish adventures and so on and so forth. But are we going to have him on TV? Is there going to be a Doctorverse? Yada, yada, yada. How do you so, feel about this high level? Drew? So rather than a retrospective or a prospective, this is a bispective. Oh, RTD, you really are getting it everywhere. You did it again, RTD. <laughs> well, high level, how do you feel about the 14th Doctor? I feel like there were some necessary evils in the choices they made and some unnecessary yeah. evils. And perhaps to call it evil is a bit much, but that's the phrase available to me as a speaker of English. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Right, on average, we gave oh, nice. the 14th Doctor episodes... Not just you and I, average across everyone who reviewed something. You, me, Marie was in one of them, Jim was in another. Okay. Our combined average is 2.9. That sounds exactly like what we gave Jodie. Yeah, but this is across a trilogy. Yes. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's... We'll get into it. Podcast we Land. are getting into it. Maybe we should say as well, Podcast Land, there are only three episodes that we're talking about here. So if you haven't listened to our individual reviews of those episodes, please, what are you waiting for? Go out there and listen to them. Press pause. Come back when you're done. You could get through them all in a single work day. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you do. Yeah. 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 But absolutely. Listen to them on your commute. 2.9. Do you think that's just about right for this trilogy? I do, yes. I don't think you can go too far wrong, given that we came up with these ratings a mere matter of weeks ago. We haven't changed or developed or matured since then. Yeah, no, that's fair. But we do vacillate, or obviously it's an average, so there are highs and lows. For example, we gave Wild Blue Yonder 4.3 and 4.4 respectively. Yes. Yeah, that's significantly higher than 2.9. Indeed. Anyway, fuck it. (laughs) Uh, Go on, you do the heavy lifting. Well, this Doctor is different because... Unlike any doctor before him, he was conceived as a transitional doctor. Yeah, but why? (laughs) 
I'll tell you why. Okay. And this is where the choices, which were necessary and perhaps less necessary, come in. Shooty Gatwa's doctor will be that much more of a mystery to us because he doesn't have to follow the same trajectory everyone since Eccleston has had to follow of, yeah, I appear bright and fresh to begin with, but guess what? I'm actually weighed down massively by gigantic secrets. And so all this baggage I'm lumbered with eventually will sour me. See, I think that as a motivation for having the 14th Doctor, as in like essentially having... I hate to do this. You know that episode of Rick and Morty where they go to a spa, like a psychological spa, and then they get all of their negative feelings, all their trauma taken out of themselves. And that trauma goes off to have an identity, an existence of its own. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. So the argument that you're making here, and the argument that I think maybe RTD made, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure I got this from the episode, but the argument I think is that essentially Tennant's doctor is here to cathartically remove the trauma from the doctor as a character so that going forward from the 15th onward yes he isn't traumatized or they aren't traumatized by their history that is exactly my reading of it i'm not saying it's wrong i'm saying i think it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) yes i had made a note since we reviewed the giggle it did occur to me just sitting around and we only get to see the lightest most delightful eyebrow waggling story of him and someone who mistook his communication for a betrothal and then he got pushed off a cliff and they're all laughing and everything how does that even begin to exorcise the events of the flux how can it possibly how can that ever actually happen ming bong future drew back when here For the purposes of providing some sort of balance, let me say I do recognise RCD had to deal with this somehow. He didn't ignore it, he would have been scoffed at for ignoring it, and he didn't create the problem either. The problem lies with Chibbers putting a character through something that psychologically is entirely insurmountable. So that's to RTD's credit, and please bear that in mind as we riff through the next few minutes. Bing bong. Sorry, can I ask, is this your theory or is this a theory out there in the ether? It comes directly from the show because they talk about we're doing therapy out of order. Right. Time Lord therapy out of order or whatever it is they say. Yeah, I'm not sure I understood that actually. But either way, does that then suggest that shooting at was 15th Doctor and future incarnations of the Doctor are not going to give a tinker's cuss about half the universe being eradicated during the flux. Or that they're not going to go if someone goes, oh, well, did you lose many companions throughout your incredibly long life or your lives? Yeah. Shrug. No. Of course. Of course (laughs) course. is going to be affected. Fine, he's processed it, but it doesn't matter. Tenant might as well have processed it as well. There are lots of... You don't have to have the trauma made manifest in a character. Yeah, well, what this is, this is allowing the soft reboot, isn't it? And it's allowing the new fans to be like, oh, this guy seems fun and carefree. He's lived a long time, though, but I guess it was all fine. And then once they're super fans, they'll go back. And once you've branded them for life and they can't possibly psychologically escape, then they come to the 14th Doctor serving the purpose he does. And they're like, oh, well, I guess I did Doctor Who out of order. So if the Time Lords do rehab out of order, like, who am I to complain? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not really 100% behind it. I did like the shape of it, but a lot of the specifics, obviously not. And it doesn't mean that we have to see the Doctor essentially not being in a straitjacket or charging around a padded room or something, and Donna's looking through the window worried, being like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Is he going to make it through this process? What a massive bummer. (laughs) I... 
hang on. This I'm going to ask a question that's maybe a really dumb question. I'm so sorry if it is. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm going to ask it anyway. It only <laughs> seems dumb because I'm wearing these tenant glasses. I've taken off my tenant-ish glasses because they hurt my temples when I'm wearing my headphones. Ah, see, if you had it on, your question would be out forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a Rick parrying it. So the question I want to ask is, in what way is it out of order? In what way is the therapy out of order? The rehab slash therapy is out of order because tenant and Gatwa are there at the same time in the same temporal instance. But uh, but it's Tennant who's doing the work, right? Tennant yeah. is processing this, and therefore Tennant, further along in his timeline, is now feeling better and shooting at work, who is further along in the timeline, is yeah. by definition feeling better. So, like, isn't this exactly an order? Within the Doctor's own personal timeline, yes. Chronologically, to all the human onlookers at the top of Stark Tower, no. I think it's just a line. I think it's just a line that is... Not even no. It's like 67 to 69% of the Matrix is just utter wank. Uh, it's made to sound really complex, and I think that's exactly what's going on in this line. Yes, but it is the two lines before it as well. 14 and 15 is saying, I loved her. Shooty says, I loved her and Rose, but the Time War, Pandorica, lots of other references to satisfy the diehards. We didn't stop for a second to say, what the hell? And then Tennant goes, but you're fine. And Shooty says, I'm fine because you fixed yourself doing the rehab out of order. So it definitely happens. <sighs> yeah, yeah, you're right, but I don't think that's out of order. <laughs> that's like if you meet your older self and your older self goes, you know what, I've got lots of experiences that you're making. Yeah, that's the right order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, sorry, it's nitpicking a really picky nit. You know, like yeah, which we talked about last time. Yes, we did, yeah. Okay, follow-up question. Why did this... No, let me put the emphasis on a different syllable. Why... <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Why did this face come back? That's a very good question, because it would seem very simple to say, oh, this face came back because only this face could seek out Donna Noble and eventually be accepted into her family and everything. Absolutely not. We see from, if you want to take it from as simple as an interracial marriage, it's not controversial anymore, but hasn't always been uncontroversial. Donna has a trans daughter. She is fully capable of dealing with anything. That's Donna's whole thing. She can deal with it Wait, wait so can, hang on. Wait, wait. Where, I, where I'm going with this is okay. she can deal with the Doctor having a different face and coming back and saying, I'm the Doctor. It could have been Jodie. Sorry, I, I don't follow. I don't see how Donna's family circumstances impact the Doctor's choice. So well, you said, why did Tennant resume Tennant's face to go and get the therapy with Donna? And I'm saying it could have been any face, is what I'm saying. It right. could have been Jodie's face. It could have been a new face. So the answer is essentially, like, there is no reason why this face. The reason is, as we know, reality <laughs> outside of the show, because Tennant and Tate freaking love each other, and they got in touch with RTD and said, oh, I'd love to come back. And he wanted to come back, and it all just came together. Yeah. And brand facial recognition, like, all of that. That's what's going on. Mm, okay. I have a theory. Oh, okay. And I think, unfortunately, and don't get me wrong, I love Tennant. I genuinely love the guy. He is such an incredible actor. He's so talented. And I love him as the doctor. I love him as his previous doctor. I frankly love him as this doctor as well. There are a yeah. couple of reasons maybe to go like, oh, come on, did you have to do that? But it doesn't matter. I love him as the doctor. Let's talk more about that after this massive caveat you're about to drop. I think 
Tennant is back here because the BBC and possibly Disney realised a huge chunk of the audience is a bunch of bigoted assholes. Okay. Potential audience. Yeah, audience slash, like in brackets, potential (laughs) audience. There was possibly, and I don't know if it was an unexpected, but I think maybe it was unexpected to us, the level of backlash when Jodie took the mantle. Lots of massive dickheads out there in in the audience going, oh, not my doctor, my doctor could never be a woman. Like, that is, I'm done with the show. And the writing didn't really help the actor that is Jodie Whittaker assuage anyone's fears, unfortunately, if they had those fears. Not overall. She had her moments, of course she did. But yeah, the overall narrative was, yeah, not my doctor, this is a decline. Yeah. And it's something to do with her gender. Even if it wasn't spoken, it was mentioned in the same breath. Yeah, and I think Jodie, this is not the Jodie retrospective, obviously, but I think Jodie got much of the flack that really should have been directed at the rest of the show or the production. Chibnall also got his fair share of flack. Yeah, Chib- Chibnall did. You're right. You're absolutely right. But Chibnall's going to go on and do things. And Jodie's also, she's already gone on and done things, and I'm sure she's going to be great. But what is was- your point? Sorry, hang on. One more background bullet point as well. Sure. We are in an era where, unfortunately, anyone show any kind of diversity or virtue or anything, there are going to be a lot of people who point at it and somehow disparagingly call it woke. Mm. And that is used to the detriment of whatever intellectual property we're talking about. This could be a show, a movie, a book, or whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah, it's a one-word dog whistle. So my point is, imagine what would happen if they go from Jody to Chuty. A very perilous transition. Exactly. Losing out on possibly a lot of viewers. And the BBC is a business. Disney is a business. They don't want to lose viewers. At the same time, we were saying how Shooty has always been given his due. And RTD is at pains to say, Shooty is coming soon. That's true. But I think what they wanted was the one doctor who was A, available, B, inclined, and C, incredibly loved by the audience. And one of the people who, what Tom Baker is for Classic Who, Tennant is quite possibly for New Who. Yeah. And someone who personifies the show, for him to show up again and essentially give his blessing Mm -hmm. for the next regeneration, I think. It does say, you're in safe hands. Yeah, maybe that's very cynical, but I think a huge consideration on the part of the production team was basically like, let's just do something that we know is going to be fine. We need to do something which is going to earn us money. Disney is watching, and if not enough people are watching this show, then they are going to opt out. (laughs) Quite possibly, but then within minutes, you have RTD taking a very bold representational step, which everyone will call woke, the trans actress Yasmin Finney. Yeah, Rose. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) is he doing a bait and switch? But you or still have you still it, have tenant there. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving the bigots too much authority here. Like too I, much I don't credence. think RTD has any fucks left to give. He lost his husband. He's rightly angry that's, oh, that's about terrible. yeah a few years ago. I think that's what prompted him to write "It's a Sin" because he was dealing with that and it was so personal and so painful. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to tell this story. This story that I remember from those times, which were full of this kind of pain." And that set him on his new trajectory. And I think he's not backing down from any fight. No, I'm not saying that he's backing down from any fight, but I think no, no, that no. there are business considerations to go here. Like, under Chibnall, the show was hemorrhaging viewers, and they needed to do something that they knew would absolutely work. 
shooting Abwa or any other doctor, any other actor taking on the mantle who is an unknown to this show would be an unknown. It would just be a gamble. Yeah. And, and also, if you are going to go down the route of let's lighten the doctor's mood a bit and you cast someone else for three episodes who hasn't been the doctor before people are going to either not like them at all and say what a waste of time that was or like them and say should have been given a much longer run in the TARDIS yeah yeah and Tennant kind of fixes that because he already had the run yeah and now he might have another one I watched the thing that I think you referenced in our Giggle review. Ooh, what's the thing? RTD on a podcast or on the radio? I'm not sure. He's in a studio with Tennant and someone else. Or maybe even doing a commentary. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. He's in an audio studio anyway. Is he talking about the bi-generation thing? Yes. Yeah. And about how every doctor has had a bi-generation and so on and so forth. Yeah. He name-checks the Spider-Verse in that conversation. Okay. He says, this is the era of the Spider-Verse. Everyone knows what that means. Everyone's expecting it. So why not have the Doctor-Verse? Well, Sony did buy Bad Wolf, so he knows which way is bread's butt. Did Sony buy Bad Wolf? Yeah, I believe so. Right. Well, it's a very, It's a very interesting corporate stew that we're swimming in now. That is really incestuous. <laughs> and now they're over with Disney. Disney owns Marvel. Marvel and Sony are competing for Spider-Man. <laughs> interesting. So anyway, that's to say, based on that, another possible consideration is, well, this might set up that Doctorverse. Yeah, and you have been hinting at the creeping tendrils of capitalist potential <laughs> throughout our reviews of the three episodes, being like, and this is where this spin-off could come from, and here's a possibility over here if they can bankroll another show. Yeah, well, in, let's say, one or two years' time, if I'm wrong, I'll apologise, but in one or two years' time, I bet you I'll have been proven right. Well, RTD was also the one before to make Torchwood a thing, Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm-hmm. He is all for... Spin-offs. Yeah, the wider Doctor Who world slash Iverse and getting that up and running. I don't know how the Sea Devils spin-off, which has apparently started shooting in this May, is going to fit into everything. Is any Doctor going to be in that? Or is that a unit thing, maybe? Could it be the unit thing? Maybe. Maybe. But if bullets don't work, then that's the end of the series. (laughs) (laughs) What recourse do they have? None. (laughs) Bracelets. I'll tell you what recourse they have. They have Cagle saying, bring in the heavy armour, and then that is equally ineffective. (laughs) (laughs) So they might get a couple of minutes out of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. Mm. So Tenant. Tenant is back. Was back. Is back. Maybe will be back. Yeah. I've been babbling for aeons here. You take the reins, dude. Well, Doctors have come back before, but never to this extent, have they? We saw Sly McCoy come back after seven years away at the beginning of uh, McGann's TV movie. Oh, you're counting that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the, true. The show was on hiatus. He went away. He did other things. Not as many other things because the BBC screwed him over contractually. But yeah. Yeah. And he popped <laughs> around for a couple of scenes. Yeah. McGann came back for eight minutes in The Night of the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, they both and Davis. And Colin Baker showed up for Power of the Doctor? Oh, yes, they did. I was going to reference Time Crash, which, of course, is a silly comic relief thing. But yes, they did all come back for that. But that's an act or some scenes at best. Yeah. So they're also very active on the Big Finish audiobook front. Well, that is a very good point. That's very true. 
Which I believe Tennant is as well. Oh, super active. He never went away. So there you go. And even while he was the Doctor on TV, he was doing the voice of the CGI Dreamland thing, which we've never reviewed. Yeah, yeah, that's and true. audios... Maybe not big finish ones, but definitely. I remember one came free in a newspaper one day. A two-part, there are yet another set of aliens in the Thames somewhere. And yeah, I think it was him and Billy Piper even. So Tennant, oh, wow. 100% committed to the franchise, all guns blazing. He's also the hardest working actor in the world. He has so many credits. He's everywhere. He's always keeping himself busy. Yeah, and when he's not on TV or in movies, he's on stage. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. What I was inching towards using as a metric was, is it easy to just slot back into the role? Is it the same role? I mean, it is mostly, but yeah. It's is, mostly. Is it, is, it, is it to him, do you think? It's going to be a bit of both, isn't it? He can't really lose in a sense. If he just aims for how he was before, the 10th, and largely gets it, then he's both slotted right back into the role and he's doing things a little bit differently. And, oh, those different bits must be the 14th bits. So mm. that works out. That's handy. That's I'm not true. saying that he's so amateurish he has to rely on that being the case because he absolutely did slot back in and I slotted right back into watching him and believing him as the Doctor and just enjoying having him there. I really did. I don't think in all three episodes, I don't think he's really to blame for any negative points. Is that saying too much? Sorry, do you mean like we didn't blame him for anything negative? Well, I'm not certain I would pin any of my minus point ones or whatever on him. That's what I don't, I'm saying. I don't think I would either. Yeah. Like I said before, I loved him as the 14th Doctor. Yeah, I think that's what I am very slowly and incoherently trying to force out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Every scene he was in, he was the Doctor. The scene might have been complete bullshit, but he did the best he could in the bullshit scene. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Well, okay. I will also say, I think RTD has done a service to Tennant because he's banished another image that dogged the show. Jim won't like this because Jim liked Catherine Tate having a sad ending and Ten, similarly, he had a really glum close to his run. The meme of Tennant standing sadly in the pouring rain with a terrible frown on his face looking ever so hangdog. Yeah. That is the lasting defining image of his farewell, which was stretched out over a couple of years. And That's then, true, yeah. And no, the, he was regenerating for a long time. Yeah. And then there was the sad whinge of, I don't want to go. I just watched it before you arrived this evening, and I loved it. Oh, yes. What an absolutely beautiful and heartfelt farewell. That's because he was saving Wilfred Mott, though. Oh, well, there is that as well. But, <laughs> but just the mavitas of him in the TARDIS. <laughs> in the TARDIS, teary-eyed, saying he doesn't want to go because he knows that everyone responsible for him being where he was, RTD writing the script, I'm assuming he wrote that episode. Oh, 100%. Writing that line is aware that the audience doesn't even want him to go. Everyone loves Tennant as the Doctor at this I point. I think you're overstating that a wee bit. I I probably am. Yes, you're right. But it doesn't matter. He loved playing that character. He played him for a number of years. He didn't want to go. And you can feel it and see and you can believe it in his delivery of that line. Right. Bing bong, undone. (laughs) Yeah. And not only that, but his last appearance on screen is him laughing and being happy in a family environment that we didn't even think was possible for the Doctor. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's the new Farewell Tenant image, and I like it better, honestly. Yeah? Personal choice. Does that mean you're in favour of the bi-generation? No. 
No, I'm not. I can't ever be in favour of... Oh, it's a myth. It's what I wanted to do and I foisted it on, so I'm calling it a myth and it's fine. I just can't get behind that. Yeah. I get that it's kind of necessary in sci-fi and I get why it's also kind of necessary within the context of Doctor Who, but no, I thought it was terribly clumsy on top of just a general lack of cleverness and wit. They talk earlier in The Giggle about outwitting the toy maker. No one outwits anyone. There's no wit on either side. It's frustrating. And there's no wit in the bi-generation either. No. I think this is another thing where corporate interest is behind this. I don't think this is the... Your favourite conspiracy thing. Well, I really think this is the case. (laughs) This this is not what is best for this character. Wake up, sheeple. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) That is not what I'm saying. I know. I think the 14th Doctor, if this trilogy is about the Doctor having a regeneration solely for the purpose of therapeutically getting over his past and moving on with his life... Yeah. I think it does him a disservice to then at the end go, I feel so much better. I don't need all this stuff. Yeah, I'm still traveling around time and space in my TARDIS. No biggie. No. Either you hang up your cape mm-hmm. yeah. or you don't. Especially if the cape is sort of the source of all that trauma. Had it not been for all those capers, you wouldn't have lost companions. You wouldn't have seen people live and die because their lifespans are shorter than yours, yada, yada, yada. Don't fucking continue your life then. Yeah, absolutely. What the hell is he doing? Taking Rose to Mars? Do you know what he's doing? He's not learning from his mistakes is what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How many people has he taken to Mars and they've died? If he had done that, A, Donna's kicking him out, if not killing him outright. And then shooty, well, I don't know, is he undone? Because (laughs) Tennant's fucked with the timeline? No, (laughs) presumably, no. No. Well, no. this is where that thing comes in that I asked you in the giggle. So and I gave you Do- a different answer every time because there is no possible if, answer. If Donna goes, you son of a bitch, did you not learn from your mistakes? You're not doing this to my daughter. She picks up the cast iron pot from the potluck table yeah. and just smashes his head in with it. <laughs> he then regenerates into a new 50th doctor. Yeah. Now there are two 15th doctors. Yeah. That's how he knew it was safe to go to Mars. For him, <laughs> Rose isn't going to oh, regenerate. Oh my goodness, absolutely. Yeah, he's just on the run from Donna across the universe. Well, he's just like, oh, fuck it. I had to say farewell to one Rose in a parallel universe. I might as well say farewell to this Rose on Mars. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm a time lord. Yeah, I'll just lie about it. I'll say that she shacked up with an ice warrior and is very happy there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And Donna, if you're open-minded, you'll go along with that. And of course, Donna has to be. So, yeah. Okay, so that's his... Oh. Mm. No, it's the classic case. And RTD is as guilty of this as any other showrunner. And he hasn't learnt over the many years and our many valuable critiques, despite listening to us the whole way through. He continues to ignore our advice. Having your cake and eating it too. It's like, yes... I'm going to keep Tennant there, but he's also going to go off and have fun and make more mistakes and go to parts of Doctor Who history, which the Doctor can't go to. And yeah, I'm just shitting over the whole thing in as few words as possible. (laughs) Ah, Why? He could have done so many other things. Yeah, I mean, you know what I think. (laughs) It's because of his fucking Mickey Mouse shaped wallet. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Okay, okay. Did we establish how do the tenants compare then? 10 and 14. What do they have in common? What do they not have in common? I don't think I'm equipped to answer that question. I haven't watched a Tenant episode apart from Midnight in like the last five years. Sorry, 10th Doctor episode. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you remember the intensity of Tennant as the Tenth Doctor? I was going to say that Tennant as the Fourteenth Doctor does seem hyper focused. Hyper focused. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, Interesting. Like he's very on point. Maybe he realizes how little time he has. Yeah, so he <laughs> makes few mistakes. Not even a question of making mistakes. I guess there just isn't that much time for him to joke around and do extraneous, superfluous things to fill time. There was no extra time to be filled. I don't quite know what I'm saying. He just seems like all doctors are on it, but this doctor was on it. But this doctor also is so on edge. Yes. Which is what I'm wondering. I've also not watched a 10th Doctor episode or story in aeons. Not for years and years and years. And I don't remember if he was constantly cranked up to 11 emotionally. Because the 14th is flipping all the time going, Why is this happening? Constantly. There's not a single scene where he isn't fist bumping a wall. Yeah, he's got a lot of trauma and a lot of triggers. The 10th was very emotional in the sense of he was the last of the Time Lords. Mm. And he had that to deal with. And of course, he was falling in love with Rose, which was another side of that one we didn't get here. So I don't have a satisfactory answer for you. Yeah, well, I haven't seen the 10th in too long. So I don't really have an answer either. Wasn't a rhetorical question. I don't have... Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Well, like RTD and Disney want you to, Podcast Land, go back and watch the 10th Doctor's run and then listen to our reviews of his episodes. You most definitely should. Good stuff. Yeah, thanks, Mickey. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Ricky. Ricky, yeah. (laughs) I have a couple of statistics that might at first sound significant, but aren't. My goodness, let's hear them. The 14th Doctor was the first Doctor since Eccleston not to meet the Cybermen on TV. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair and I was, I was going to say the Daleks as well, but he did meet the newly standing Davros on that Comic Relief episode. Have you seen that yet? I have seen it, yeah. Oh, okay. What did you think? Because that's part of this as well, you know. Oh, you know what? I should have rewatched it in anticipation of tonight's recording. I totally forgot. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was funnish. Yeah, why not? I don't fully understand what all the fuss is about, about, oh, yeah, okay, Davros is standing now, so what? Woke! <laughs> this is what I mean, by the way. Do you remember the reaction people had when that special came oh, out? Oh, boy, do I. Yeah, fucking nuts. People are insane out there. Yeah, anyway, no, I, I think it was fun. I remember Tenet being quite a lot of fun in it. The one thing that I didn't get about Davros, sorry, just to go back to Davros, yes. the one thing I didn't understand was he didn't have a third eye. There wasn't a melding of biology and technology. You know, like how Davros has yeah. the third eye I, and I, he's I, got lots of weird, not androids, you know what I mean, cybernetic. Yeah, that's bionic, the whatever. It was very early in the Daleks' development was the whole conceit of the piece. It he has a proper been, Dalek. Yeah, but I think that's fresh out of the design lab or whatever. I always assumed... So in Genesis of the Daleks, okay. Davros pretty sure he has a third eye already. You know what? Maybe I'll Google this because maybe I'm wrong and he doesn't have a third eye. Genesis of the Daleks, Davros. Let's see. Yeah, he looks exactly... I've just Googled him. He looks yeah. straight up exactly the way Davros always looked. He's got okay. the third eye. He's got weird metallic things stuck to his head that are feeding impulses into his brain or maybe the other way around. He's in the same sort of lower half of a Dalek wheelchair. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, this clearly doesn't fit that. I remember the reaction at the time evolving into, well, the possibility could have been there that it was a slight rewrite on that and this was earlier and Davros was just in the design stage and so he hadn't accrued all that technological stuff yet. So, of course, he could be standing up and maybe he goes on to be regular Davros later. And RTD was like, no, 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 absolutely not. No, he's not being in a wheelchair anymore. That's not what we're doing. And so right from the start, he was like, 
I don't want anyone who doesn't see my vision in the fan base. You can fuck off. So that's what I mean when I say he's not afraid of any fight or confrontation and he's got no truck with people who think they own the cannon. He's like, nope, this is what I'm doing and you can get on board or you can call me woke from afar and I'll just ignore you. Yeah. I mean, okay. Hmm. Maybe this is a conversation to have off the record, but I also have opinions about changing Davros for that reason. Mm. I don't see why Davros has to be or doesn't have to be in a wheelchair. Like, it doesn't matter. He's a character, and fuck it. They cast a new Doctor all the time. They cast new James Bonds all the time. Like, they cast new of everything all the time. So what does it matter if they have a slightly different-looking Davros? But my assumption in Genesis of the Daleks... Actually, let's say the the Daleks themselves... (laughs) Sorry, massive Davros tangent. (laughs) In Genesis of the Daleks, it is clarified possibly even before them, but it is clarified anyway, that the Daleks are the Khaleds suffering from nuclear radiation and gradually mutating into a form that simply will not be able to sustain itself. Yeah. And therefore, this one dude who is a scientific genius, Davros, one of the Khaleds... AKA possibly the one who waits. Possibly the one who waits, yeah. Why not? He devises a way for this new form of Khaleds to subsist. Yeah. And it is essentially just a tank that somehow they connect with and whatever. Fine. Great. But like, the mutation of a species doesn't happen over 15 minutes. <laughs> no. It typically takes a little bit longer. And it seemed as though Davros was somehow, maybe not a midpoint, but he was in the process of experiencing that himself, which is why right, he's such yeah. an evil bastard. Yeah, absolutely nothing to do with not being able to walk No, like, I mean, he's missing eyeballs and he's got a technological eye in the middle of his forehead, which kind of mirrors the eye stalk of the Dalek. Yeah. So he's almost like a midpoint between Khaled and Dalek. That's Davros. Yeah. Well, there were people who are disabled as part of this debate being like, it is condescending to an audience to be like, no, no, it's too difficult to explain this to you. We're just going to say that a bad guy can't be in a wheelchair. Yeah, well, the thing that I was going to say before was, yeah, isn't that kind of empowering to have someone who is in a wheelchair be literally the biggest bad guy ever? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Well, (laughs) there is that. Actually, that's kind of (laughs) cool. If you Um, can then flip that around and turn that into... He's not not a bad guy because he's in a wheelchair, but he's in a... It didn't stop him. But he's the ultimate nemesis, master aside. He's the one I want to see in series 15. Entirely independent of whether he's in a wheelchair or not. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Anyway. Do you think that because Davros appeared in the comic release special means we are getting ourselves some sweet Davros pretty soon? I would assume so. We must get some Daleks. Absolutely. Why not? Every Doctor's had Daleks, right? Oh, I could do without the Daleks. But do we, you just, want yeah. Davros. Yes. Can you have Davros without Daleks? Why not? Flip a neck. Why not do something new? Yeah. And RTD, is... come on. Don't reinvent the wheel. Let's get back to the 14th Doctor. Oh, wait. No. Reinvent the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait. Actually. The yeah. Wheel of Time. Yeah, reinvent yeah. the Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but don't copy it. Because my biggest beef <laughs> with the 14th Doctor episodes... Also. Anyway. ...is that... Too much was copying RTD's old stuff and very, very recent Chibnall stuff and just being like, yeah, I can do it with a slightly bigger budget. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who, with its infinite potential, should not be harking back to last week, essentially. Yeah. Ever, ever, yeah. ever in any way, unless it's deliberate continuity and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Mm. But isn't... Uh, the reason I'm struggling to find words here is I'm trying to figure out where tropes fit into that. 
Okay. Because obviously you do have to harken back to your roots in order to be a continuation of them. And tropes form a massive part of any slash certainly this franchise. Of course. But at the same time, you are preparing the way for a soft reboot and you don't need to have two characters slamming on either side of a door that won't open two weeks running. You don't get anything more out of repeating Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. You're saying from one episode to the other. Yeah, yeah, no, we talked about this in our whatever and giggle reviews. Yeah. Wild Blue Yonder and And the musicals, numbers staging and that sort of thing. I'm not happy about the musical. Well, we're going to get to that in the Christmas special. Because RTD... Maybe he didn't say as much, but the perception definitely is, oh, thank goodness RTD has come back to save the show again. RTD is the man who saved Doctor Who twice. Yeah. And I imagine he's perfectly happy to hear that. He wasn't like, no, no, please, quel dommage. I can't possibly accept all these accolades. Wait, how much money? (laughs) (laughs) And then to set the expectations so high, It's definitely promised more than the three episodes we got. And like I said last week, I don't want to overcompensate and hate on them as if that in any way balances it out. It's very difficult, though, you know, when you're awash amidst these different currents to find equilibrium. Yeah. Because I don't think he has saved Doctor Who necessarily. People seem to be enjoying it. A lot of people are watching it. But based on these three episodes, well, I don't know. Maybe people love them. And if I didn't love them, it doesn't matter. I'm just one guy. So if his writing is in vogue and in line with current tastes and I'm an old fuddy-duddy now, well, I'll just have to live with that. Yeah. Does that mean that you would stop watching it? No. Exactly. But we're going to continue watching this forever. Yeah. I think it's important to say here as well that Doctor Who will never not be my show, even when it's no good. I will always want Doctor Who to be good and I will always be backing it. But I reserve the right to say (laughs) that episode after episode is terrible if I think so. Absolutely. Entirely you're right. Ditto. (laughs) We said similar things last time, but I just had more time to chew on it. And yeah, I thought we were going to get three episodes on the level of Wild Blue Yonder. Yeah, no dice home slice. No, we got one pretty great episode, one fine episode, and one disappointing one. Yeah. So you're going middle, first, last, eh? Yep, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. I mean, I found the Star Beast immensely entertaining. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't a great episode by any stretch, but it was a very good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did rate it higher than me. You gave it in the threes. Yeah, 3.4. You gave it 2.8. But was that the lowest? No, the giggle is by far no, the lowest. I mean, Jim gave... Oh, I see. Yeah, no, Jim gave it 2.4. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jim. Hope you're feeling better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, what a disappointing closer for the trilogy, though. I thought this trilogy was going to be about something completely different. I essentially thought that this trilogy was going to be masterminded by the toy maker. Yeah. A compacted version of Series 1 with the Dalek's Bad Wolf thing. Remind me. The whole of Series 1 is Bad Wolf is popping up everywhere. You see it written on a wall here, and it's a clue here, and it's a code word here. And it's like, what is this thing that suddenly spread throughout the universe? And it's the Daleks. And then at the end, they face off against each other. Yeah. And so a similar toy maker coming in from the shadows, closing in on the Doctor, could have happened here. Could have. Didn't really. No, didn't at all. He had nothing to do with parts one and two whatsoever. There are lots of hints at, oh, wait till the boss finds out about this. Maybe there's something horrible that not even the no things, not even they would want to touch upon it. 
But then when we get to the toy maker, the toy maker has also faced off or looked at the possible nemeses and gone, oh no, there's the one who waits and I, I don't want to face off against that person. Yes, that's someone else's game. Yeah, so it turns out the toy maker is just nothing. He's just coincidentally played by a celebrity and that's why we knew about him beforehand. I thought this whole trilogy was going to be about how the toy maker had selected Tennant's face for a reason <laughs> that would not be divulged until part three. It would make absolutely no sense, but we'd all be incredibly happy because we got Tennant for another three episodes. You were not alone in thinking that. I'm sure everyone thought that. Yeah, and perhaps RTD even intentionally encouraged misdirection. Yeah, but that's a that dick way. move. Because if <laughs> oh, you think? Well, if you're going to do that, misdirection is perfectly fine. But yeah. if you misdirect, then please at least replace it with something that is similarly good. And that is not Absolutely. what happened here. Absolutely. Here instead, yeah, Toymaker, inconsequential. Tenant beats me. All I can see is Disney bucks. And this trilogy is, it just seems like a holdover. From a narrative point of view, if there hadn't been a, okay, we're changing tack, we've got a new showrunner, we've got a new sponsor waiting in the wings, I don't see why this wouldn't have been Shooty's three first episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I still would have loved it, I still would have watched it and still would have loved it, and I probably would have been saying more on board with, I'm just waiting for Shooty to have an actual season. Yeah. Which I can't wait for, by the way. Same. For multiple reasons, we are going to get other writers than RTD, finally. Oh, interesting. Well, we must, mustn't we? There are eight episodes. RTD can't write them all. He could barely write these three. Do you know what I learned today, by the way? This is outside of the realm of the 14th retrospective, but I learned today that the companion, what's her face? Ruby? Ruby, Ruby Sunday. She's already left the show. Yeah. She's well, doing one season and then she's off. That is also fine, because that way, nobody starts wondering if there's going to be a Rose... Mark 2? Mark 3? I don't know which. But yes, so Shooty and Ruby aren't going to have a romance, I assume. And that will be met with relief in some quarters. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't a companion leave after a series? Clara stayed way too long. I still maintain what I think I've said on a, a number of occasions previously on Who Back When, that I'm entirely in favour of Doc showing sexuality and maybe even the possibility of romantic inclinations. We had the whole River Song plotline. Yes. She was Mary Sue, though. She was a very special human. Yeah, uh, certainly. Oh, actually, she had Time Lord Wibble Wobble in her, didn't she? Because Amy Pond, TARDIS. TARDIS, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, no, she's not just human, is she? Yeah, he's slumming it with humans, that's the point. (laughs) But with the exception of that one relationship, their marriage, I kind of don't want to see romance on the show. Shit, the one who waits is Rory. Rory (laughs) is the big bad? Oh my goodness. I would be on board for that. That would be fascinating. That would be really interesting. (laughs) Sorry, I had that realisation just as you reached your point. What was it you said? My point was, I don't want to see more romance on the show between the Doctor and anyone. Literally anyone. In part, because it also undermines that one greatest love of his, their life. That's true. If Shooty meets someone else, whoever it might be, and has a grandiose love story with them well what second wife or husband like what is it no (laughs) no be true to that one great love otherwise that one great love ceases to be the one great love by definition so yeah anyway and that brings me on to yes stayed way too long god yes oh goodness so yeah no problem at all with ruby moving on no 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 i haven't seen enough of ruby to really know how i feel about it yeah Mm. shall we talk companions while we're talking companions 
Absolutely. Who do you have in mind? Well, here are all the companions that I can think of that I thought to add to bullet points. Donna and her entire family. That includes Rose, who is potentially a future companion or a spin-off protagonist. Mel B. Oh, yes. Shirley as a potential future companion or an ally who travels in the TARDIS. I don't know. We've labelled people companions on Who Back When. That maybe should not have been labelled companions just because they happen to travel in the TARDIS. So, right, Dude, they, they installed a freaking ramp for her. She's going to get into the TARDIS. Shirley. I've added Wilf and Kegels as well. Yeah. They're not companions, but they're friends, allies. Well, Wilf is a companion. But yeah. Uh, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mostly dodge your question. Here's why. Great. Go for it. Most of those companions that you mentioned only appear in one episode, substantively. Sylvia Noble and Sean and Rose, they appear at the end of the giggle, but they're just having a laugh around the dinner table. They don't add anything of any importance. It's all in the Starbeast. So listen to the Starbeast for our opinions on all of those characters and actors, except for Donna, Catherine Tate. Uh-huh. Interesting, okay. I was just thinking Donna, okay. Yeah, she appears in all three, yeah. and she is essential to this central conceit of getting the Doctor a birth in a family and a place where he can heal. And I think that RTD's focus on that actually helps Donna quite a lot, because... The first couple of episodes, she's very concerned about Rose's well-being. Absolutely, it's natural. But then she pivots from that to the doctor's well-being. So she is observing and she is caring. And she does have less to do than across a whole series. Of course she does. But it helps with the consistency. It helps her slot right back into the show. I think she played it very well. I think she played everything that she did very well. She went off and kicked its ass. That doll was indeed a goner. The only thing she didn't do well was slamming down on that giant prosthetic hand. That was the only flaw I could possibly take issue with from Catherine Tate in these three episodes. I thought she was great. Tate did super well. Absolutely. Yes! I'm so pleased. Can you see Tate now being a new full-time employee, five weeks of paid holiday in all? Five flipping heck. Can you see her returning in a unit spin-off? Or can you maybe see her returning... The way that Capaldi showed up at the start of class, just to like... No, no, everyone, I promise this is a Doctor Who thing. (laughs) Yeah, this is pseudo-canonical. I know you don't recognise Mel B because you're too young. You weren't alive when Mel B was on TV. But here's someone you do recognise. There you go. Yeah. Goodness, I do want to say about Mel as well, that when she told 14 how she'd got back to Earth and what had happened. Yeah. I missed the fact that her whole family had gone. She was very lonely herself. And so she gets, actually, a far more realistic redemption than the Doctor does by glomming on to Donna's family at the end, becoming Mad Auntie Mel. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, so she has a much better conceived happy ending. Well done by Mel. Thanks, (laughs) RTD. Yeah, that is actually quite lovely. Was it Jim who pointed out we don't find out what happens to Tegan and Ace? Well, I'm sure Tegan's back in the Carpathian Mountains. <laughs> don't know why. Is that some... Co- I can't do it. Is that some- Fuck. <laughs> Dude, it's a proper Brisbane accent. It's completely specific. How dare you? <laughs> I could be on Bluey if I wanted. I'm not saying that you can't do it. I'm saying I can't do it. <laughs> well, that's all right then. <laughs> Ugh, ugh, why did I do that? I've just annoyed myself. You were asking about Donna and saying how great Catherine Tate was. Yeah. Better well, than the first time around? Series four? Yes. 
Yes! Yeah, because it turns out I've also needed time to heal after that. <laughs> Maybe 15 years is just about enough. Yeah. I'm ready to go back and rewatch that just to reevaluate how I feel about Tate. Yeah. Plus, obviously, I'm going to do that. I'll rewatch all of New Who at some point. And I think I probably will appreciate her more the next time around. Grand. Well done. How do you feel about Rose? Rose as. Not just a companion today for this trilogy, but a companion going forward, maybe? Certainly someone who is going to be working for units. We see Rose. We oh. see her in that room with the fucking robot in the, the Vlinks. Oh, is this in the teaser? Next time, next time on Doctor Who. Right. I kind of mentally checked out of that, partly because I didn't want too many spoilers. I'm because, so sorry. No, it's fine. But just because... We've lived now for 12 to 18 months with RTD as the breadcrumb king. And yeah, yeah I'm just taking shelter where I can, like you were before. That's true. And I'm three. so sorry to do to you what I asked and expected everyone <laughs> not to do to me. I'm so yeah. sorry about that. But now that I have spoilers, Tulia, she is in the unit HQ. Yeah, well, we didn't see a great deal of Rose. We saw enough for some heavy-handed broad brush strokes to land if i haven't mixed too many metaphors in that sentence so there's lots of potential there potential yet for yasmin finney to probably act and <laughs> be, a be a little less understated perhaps. yes that's a very nice way of putting it well yeah. that is certainly a nicer way of putting it <laughs> than i embarked upon i'm sorry no no that's fair this is what I meant. The mother who overacts, the daughter who underacts. Yeah, and absolutely. We'll be given more time, I assume, in those subsequent episodes because, yeah, if you have Rose and Donna, everybody's going to be asking, well, where the hell is Tennant then? How well, false Yeah, was well, it? that's exactly it. Absolute flipper tits. So Rose has, in the finale of The Giggle, yeah. they're in the garden, they're having their vegan potluck, whatever it is, it seems as though Rose is 14th's companion. Behind the scenes, we don't get to see it happen, but Rose is... She's clearly the companion. Yep, certainly gone travelling with him on multiple occasions. So now Rose is continuing on the show. You're so right to call this out. Where is Tennant? He's clearly still somewhere in the universe. Yeah, and RTD can say all he likes. Nope, he definitely won't be appearing. This is the shooty show from now on. All spotlight on shooty, please. But... Sorry, buddy, that thing I said earlier about cake and eating it, it gets messy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's trying to eat two cakes at once. <laughs> that is next level. Yeah. Well, I'm... Fuck it. I can't talk about <laughs> the Disney requirements forever. Yeah. It's going to get samey. Well, my next statistic yes. was going to be 14 is only the second Doctor since Eccleston who wasn't a genocidaire. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah. Bravo, you didn't kill a species, 14. Yeah. Well done. Let me take you through the list. The 10th Doctor or his Metacrisis mate in Journey's End genocided twice. The Daleks and, very memorably, the Rachnos. Yep. The 11th, this is a smaller scale genocide, but nonetheless, all the vampires in Venice, the Saturnines, wiped them out. Yep. Good riddance, by the way. Yeah. Capaldi didn't. Capaldi is the guy who didn't. And then 13 killed the Dalek Cybermen <laughs> and Centaurans in one fell swoop. Once half the universe is already dying because of the flux. So perhaps here we found something that even you would be prepared to admit is a positive Disney-fying influence. It is, I'm sure, what 14's intertemporal therapist would brand a breakthrough. <laughs> uh, <w> <laughs> yes! 
Yes. Well done, 14. You've shown some growth. As a character. <laughs> yeah. Other companions. Wilf, Shirley, Cagles. Oh, poor Bernard Cribbins. How lovely was it to have Bernard back, It though? was great to have him back. It's such a shame that he couldn't do whatever was planned for him next mm. in the giggle that wasn't shooting moles. Such a shame. But of course, nothing you can do about it. Yeah. That's the show's real tragedy. <laughs> Honestly, that's not really to the show's discredit. But yeah, that real life tragedy sort of overwhelmed anything else that was happening on screen. Yeah. 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 No, actually, oh. no, no further comment. Yeah. Agreed. Ah, oh, rest in peace, Bernard. Yes, rest in peace. I'm going to pour some out. Yeah. And thank you for your service because proper veteran and all that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, when he was talking about standing on a tank, shooting bullets or whatever, when he first appeared in the 10th Doctor's run, that was real life stuff. Yeah. Really? Wow. Oh, I'm sure we talked about this at the time. I've just yeah. forgotten. Right. Who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, well, I mean, I had Cagles and Shirley. Hey, Cagles, but... yeah. Well, Cagles has had such a vast range in her episodes. Like, oh, Cagles did really well. Cagles was really poorly served. This was somewhere in the middle, wasn't it? Maybe a bit better than middle, actually. I... I'm judging Cagles as part of Unit, uh, and I am yes. wildly disappointed by the new Unit. I mean, really, truly disappointed. By disappointed unit. twice. First during the Starbeast, and then more so in the Giggle. Yeah. In the Starbeast, because it was just a little bit too militaristic for my liking, perhaps. And then it was a lot too marvelistic. Yeah, absolutely. So you Too were- marvelistic, and then that fucking Vlinks. Is that what it's called? Oh, uh, you hate the Vlinks. I hate the Vlinks. I don't understand why people aren't hating the Vlinks as much as I hate the Vlinks. The Vlinks can eat my whole ass. I hate the Vlinks. God, what an utter shit invention. Oh, oh I'm so upset. I'm so, I, I'm We've so been upset. through this. We've been through this. Okay. Oh. Okay. I need to retire to a garden and a vegan potluck, because otherwise the trauma is going to be too much for me. Yeah. So, villains. Meep, not things, Toymaker. Yeah. And the promise of so many more. Oh, yes, of course. Meep? I like the Meep a lot better than you did, as I remember. Yeah. Certainly Jim. <laughs> oh, Jim did not like the Meep. I liked Evil Meep. I was less... You know what? In retrospect, maybe I misjudged the Meep. Because it's quite devious to pretend to be a lovey-dovey Disney character when actually you're a devious, conniving shitbag. Yeah. So, you know what? Actually, maybe maybe the Meep deserved more. Yeah, I think so. And sharing with the no-things a little bit of cunning. Mm-hmm. The no-things or not-things or whatever, they are super interesting. Yeah. Could have done more with them. They were slightly... We talked about this ad nauseum in our Wild Blue Yonder review, but there are slightly too down-to-earth, tangible aspects to these intangible creatures that undercut any of their arguments. The whole fangs, running like animals, wanting to oh, punch right. people. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. You're much better than this. Yes, you're right, because this episode was withheld from us entirely. It was set on the absolute edge of the universe. So be a little bit more far out, more left yeah. field with it. Yeah, exactly. You are right. And then the toy maker, zero cunning whatsoever. None whatsoever. Just an impulse essentially. And what's his name? Neil Patrick Harris. NPH, that's right. Who we love in many other fora. He is terrific as a person, as an actor, as a close-up magician. Terrific. Don't you think he gave a singular and memorable performance? Well, certainly very memorable, but for so many of the wrong reasons. Yeah. 
I didn't like his portrayal of the toy maker at all. And for greater detail about how both Drew and I feel about this particular iteration of the toy maker, listen to our Giggle review. I think it's an astoundingly accurate reflection of how we feel about that episode. Oh. Please do listen to it, Podcast Land. It's giggle by a- name and a giggle to listen to. I would like to think so. There, there, <laughs> there's a giggle or two in there, yeah. for sure. My question to you is, we talked about how the toy maker didn't have a centre. He was sort of tainted in his 60s iteration by the racist connotations and associations. Yeah. So you couldn't recreate him wholesale. And also, being from so long ago, it would seem wooden to almost Stooky Bill levels to recreate (laughs) him in the 2020s. Yeah. And so combining that with RTD's very woolly, yes, I like games and I'm very big, bigger than you could ever possibly imagine. Even a man as talented as Neil Patrick Harris, what does he have to go on when he attempts that role? How would you go about constructing that performance? I don't I'm not trying to in any way trivialize the role of an actor here. I have zero acting talent myself, but I don't think this is a particularly challenging role to confront. I think it is because I think Neil Patrick Harris has skills and he's played a lot of different people, a lot of different registers and different characters. And I think that he just had to bring showmanship and flamboyance to this performance. That's all RTD wrote into the character. And anything added on top of that was just fragments. What could he do? He couldn't insert something entirely additional to the words he was saying. Could he? Nobody's that good to be playing a terribly written character and just crushing it with looks, gestures, voice. I get why he went for super pantomime, because he wanted to make a friggin' impact. But if he dialed it back, there still wouldn't have been anything there. No. Where does the German accent come in? <laughs> Ask Eki. Yeah, Eki was not a fan of that. No. Hi, Eki. Thanks for listening. Eki mentioned on Twitter in response to us saying, I don't know, I think I tweeted just like, wow, well, we just watched that. Looking forward to talking about this one. (laughs) And Eki, in a perfect phonetic recreation of the accent, (laughs) asked, what was that accent all about? Or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, I assumed from that, I read into that, that Eki was not a fan. I think a lot of people were not a fan of that. Yeah. I was not a fan of that. I would be prepared to defend it to a degree by saying it's the kind of performance you might only get in Doctor Who. But but no. but no, because no, no, no. you could also get it in any number of Saturday morning cartoons, which are produced for much less budget. Whisper mm. it. <laughs> I think NPH. Oh, hang on. What do I think? I think NPH did a slightly crummy job of interpreting this character in the first place. Okay. But as I think maybe you've said, and I, I'm not trying to steal your point or bastardize your point. But Dude, if you want to fully agree with me, by all means. But I think the character was already poorly written on paper. And what can you do? NPH's mistake, potentially, not knowing... I haven't read the script, and I don't know what conversations were going on behind the camera, but if Neil Patrick Harris made a mistake in his interpretation of this character, it was to, you know what, fuck it. I've got my own interpretation of it. I'm going to add... I'm going to make some choices, damn it. I'm going to make some choices, and here's one of them. And everyone behind the camera goes, what the fuck is he doing? Well, he is MPH, so just let him. Just let him. Oh, you think it was that way? I think he was like, okay, so I do a German accent for one line, yeah, and then it is gestopping. And RTD's like, no, I fucking love it. Keep going, Neil. More, Neil, more. That's how I conceive of the onset shenanigans. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Because he couldn't get away, even if he's Neil Patrick Harris. We have Disney suits 
the scariest suits of all. They're going to be able to say to him, Neil, dial it back, cut it out. No, they're going to say, it doesn't matter. We're going to dub you in Germany. So you're going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what? Whosoever had that idea. Yeah. Fucking bad idea, Jeans. Okay. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're not saying who, but whoever it is, you know what you did. And the toy maker was... As you've already pointed out, not clever. There's no finesse to the character. Ah, finesse, there's the word. The finale, the undoing of the character, although him being folded up, that special effect was stunning, but the reason he was folded up was just dumb. (laughs) Are his legions coming? Oh, do I care? They even stole the disappearing house slash toy shop thing from the Flux, right? John Bishop's house. Where's it gone? In Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Just down from the clop. Even that was taken. It's weird how the same few ideas come swirling around the bowl in Doctor Who. So that is a often. bit odd. Yeah. It's just genuinely a bit odd. Was there not a house there beforehand? Did he remove a house and build a house of his own? Yeah. What was that? Was that a street? Did people go, oh, there used to be a street here. I guess there's a house in the way now. No, fine. <laughs> Uh, I don't know his domain. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Nobody cares enough to answer these questions. I have a question for you, and this was a question I meant to ask at the beginning. Okay. Was the 14th Doctor's run fun? Was it a wild ride? Because that is clearly what they were going for above all else. Yeah, I think mission accomplished. Okay. I think for that reason, our average is above average. Right. Gotcha. You know. That's why it's a 2.9 instead of a 2.2. Exactly. It is... A wildly entertaining thrill ride of a three-piece. But you could say that about... (laughs) I'm trying to think of a shit trilogy. You you couldn't say it about three of Chibber's episodes, could you? It's difficult to say it about three of Chibber's episodes. He had three episodes at the end. Either the Daleks, Sea Devils, Power of the Doctor. Quite similar, actually. Yeah. Numerically, at least. Well, identical numerically. And total buzz kills. Yeah, even the darks was great, but it was bleak. And that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, sorry, that's like, what I mean. I don't, I don't mean anything else by it. Yeah, the mood has changed. Now, I don't know whether that's people seeing RTD as, this is the second coming of RTD as Doctor Who's Messiah, whatever, whether it will actually stand up. But Tennant was going through some real stuff. As you say, he was venting, he was being triggered, he was in pain, deep pain, a lot of the time, and yet it seemed a lot less ominous and oppressive than during Chibber's run. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is more Disney and less Netflix. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so what is it? Is it the colour palettes? What choices are contributing to this divergence? (laughs) This is like, "Mm, can we have less Zack Snyder and more what's-his-face who was behind Buffy? (laughs) Joss Whedon setting aside all the horrible shit that that guy got up to Why why not not pick James Gunn instead? Oh yeah, James Gunn played a similar role. Yeah, but you know, Joss Whedon stepped in for Justice League and changed the saturation of costumes and all that shit. That's what I meant. Anyway, yes. Much better idea. (laughs) Better reference. Is it partly to do with the music, maybe? Because we have Murray Gold back, and people wrote in, and in their minis, they were like, music, great, friggin' loved it! Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that's a very good point. It makes a big difference. Hmm. Music was often quite good in the Chibbers era as well. It got better. It got better, certainly. Towards the end, it is often quite epic and evocative. 
Yeah. Which means that it's so different now, maybe it's not all about the music, but it all sets the mood. Yeah. So I guess a small change in the musical dynamic. They have different trajectories, like emotional trajectories, right? The two era soundtracks. Right. Chibber's era soundtrack all points downwards because everything is just in decline. Everything is fucking dramatic and going to shit. Yeah. And Yask will never get what she wants. No one will be satisfied. Dad Nabbit, I'll never get what I want. My name is Yask. And then here... (laughs) Yeah. That's a great impression. I, if anyone else, Shazam that impression. <laughs> Mandip? Is that you? <laughs> I wasn't trying to do a voice. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> and here, everything is ascending. Everything is, it's not necessarily upbeat, but it's certainly, it's accelerating, it's heading forward. It's not stagnating, it's somehow propelled into the future. Everyone is pointing into the middle distance. Fuck it, we're going there. Yeah. And that's exciting. And there's day glow elements. You've got the furry meep, and then the meep is completely over the top, and you've got the giant people. I can't imagine Chibber's. Chibber's made bold choices, as I said, but I can't imagine him just inflating two characters to 50 feet and then just sort of all squashed together. And <laughs> yeah. It's broad. It's yeah. broadened, and sometimes and often, that is definitely to the And often playful. Playful, yes. Tennant mentions that in The Giggle, in fact. Oh, does he? He's like, there's chaos, there's order, and there's play. There you go. RTD is here to play. Hmm. Well done, RTD. And you know what? A great start to the second RTD era. The second coming of RTD. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a 2.9 start, anyway. Yeah, that's that's above average. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, slightly above. It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We are not the only people with opinions. We're not. Before we jump into that, do you want to, like, in some way encapsulate all you feel about this trilogy in one bullet point? You have one bullet point. I am glad overall that we have it, but boy, am I looking forward to moving on from it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's a really, that's so much better than what I had in mind. <laughs> okay, yeah, seconded. I, I was going to say, okay. the, the, the Sonic in this era, in this trilogy, can do absolutely everything. It can oh. create matter from nothing. So please, for the love of all that is pure, use this Sonic to create a little bit more fabric for Tenant's suit, because that is one tight mf Oh, yes, as Donna said. There is one point that I missed. Okay. I'm just going to say All right, say it. This came out in a Radio Times over the last week. We were saying the 14th and 15th Doctors playing ball with Neil Patrick Harris on top of Stark Tower. Why didn't they do a feint? Why didn't they involve some trickery? Yeah. We said it was necessary. In the novelization and they've done novelizations of all these episodes, and also The Church on Ruby Road. Yikes. They make it clear that they do, in fact, pull off a feint. Oh, well, you learned from your production mistakes. Well done. Well, yeah, but why not do it in the poxy show? Why not put the best version where the most people will see it? Did people only think of it afterwards? It seems odd, really odd, that no one at the time thought of it. I'm not saying it's amateur hour, but... Well, that's our amateur hour over, but are there any other amateurs who want to shoehorn in on our hour? Well, there's an absolute pro I can think of. Oh, even better! Yeah. So I guess it's time for... Listener Minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shus Blamatron, Podcast Land. Here we are in the Apple announced Listener Mini section. (laughs) Although I say mini, actually, it's just one maxi. It is, yeah. We've only had one. Apologies, by the way, Podcast Land. I'll take this one. I'm so sorry. I completely failed to update the website. I didn't tweet about us reviewing this episode this evening until this evening. So I'm very sorry. We've had exactly one listener mini slash maxi. Yeah, and because we would ordinarily read out three times two 
50, we can do one times 450 completely fine. And it's going to be from Ollie Raven. What up, Ollie? Hi, Hello. Ollie. Uh, oh, did you want me to say, hey, Ollie Raven? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly our only listener, but <laughs> if so, you learned this, so. buddy. Oh, Ollie's downloading a few thousand episodes. Thanks, Ollie. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well done. Tell your friends. I've got <laughs> 5,000 friends. <laughs> Way to go, Ollie. Here are some words. Hi again, says Ollie. Let's start with the positives, shall we? Yes, please. Positive number one. Margulies. Cribbins, albeit clearly frail, and a mention for Sabalom Glitz. Oh, yes. Were the main highlights of each respective story. Positive number two. Despite its flaws, the Star Beast still left me giddy after 13 months starved of fresh Who content. Then again, by that point, Davies could have spent an hour of primetime Saturday nights defecating across the screen and I might have lapped it up, which is just as well, since that's essentially what he proceeded to do over the following fortnights. <laughs> Scathing, Ollie. Well done. My goodness. Ollie knowingly continues, I guess that's the cue to move on to the minuses, eh? I believe you mean minuses. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. First, minus. He's still just Ken. Sorry, ten to me. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Yanks with Grover Cleveland, we number office holders properly in Blighty, <laughs> even when they get two non-consecutive bites at the cherry. Oh, wow. History reference. Cherry? Cherry. 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 <laughs> Second. Minus. No in-universe explanation for the regenerating costume, which would neatly double up as a retroactive one for Hartnell to Troughton, so all we have is the behind-the-scenes one that RTD fears a backlash from bigots, even though Tennant played a role in drag on TV before and Jodie's outfit wasn't that feminine anyway. Yet he features a trans character and includes pronoun talk, so he's like Schrodinger's trans ally. Add to that that the Master wore Jodie's outfit for a large portion of the Power of the Doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. To compound matters, compounds Ollie, the first thing Tate mentions is the suit. Oh yeah. And Gatwa later ended up in his underpants. Oh yeah. No complaints about the latter visual, but always a but. Come on, at least be consistent. Well, that bus was in very tight underpants. Yes, indeed. Next. Bonus. Imagine if Matt Smith had defeated the Weeping Angels in Flesh and Stone by switching the Mavity back on. The ending would have had a lot less Mavitas. Oh, there's your friend who shares your jokes. Ka-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Next, minus a bottle episode where the Doctor Donna have a heart-to-heart might have worked as a breather halfway through a full series, but not in the middle of a three-part micro-era. Special effects were ropey too. Oh, That is interesting. Super good point about the tempo suddenly being slowed down in a three-parter. Very valid yeah, point. we definitely mentioned that in the Starbeast. I'm sure we did. I'm not sure I agree on the special effects, though. I thought, with the exception of, uh, it's a face in a crotch, they were terrific how about it's a face in a ball in the giggle that was great okay yeah love it what about <laughs> spinny roundy speedy uppy mel terrible yeah no absolute utter pants yeah that was yeah. where i thought oh really they didn't have a million dollar alternative to that yeah but i don't know how old mel is uh... so get a stunt double she's spinning too fast for you to see her face yeah cgi the whole thing next minus oh please <laughs> If Knight of the Doctor established that Big Finish companions are canonical, then why isn't Ruth Maidley playing Hebe here? I'm pro-ramp, the story behind it is very sweet, but get the horrid impression she's either directly or indirectly responsible for the Davros retcon. Ooh, Davros retcon mention. Now that I, is interesting. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that either. I also don't know who Hebe is. 
hang on, Some... Ruth Madeley. Ruth Madeley is Shirley Ann Bingham, isn't she? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, she is. So who's so Hebe? Maybe she's played, yeah, Hebe is a previous character within the universe. Let me look up Ruth Madeley, Hebe, going quickly because Leon needs to catch a train. I do. Uh, Ruth Madeley joins the cast of the Sixth Doctor Adventures. Okay, so she's the Sixth Doctor's companion, Hebe Harrison. Ah. In several audio stories from Big Finish Productions. Oh, that's cool. Oh, should have done my cast research. Well, these things fluctuate. A lot of actors play a lot of characters in Big Finish. Only today, a aforementioned colleague of mine who has a sort of somehow Whovian connection yeah. sent a link today to some Big Finish productions in which one character... There's a new series of Capaldi, not played by Capaldi, 12. Oh, not played oh, by Capaldi. weird. Oh, I don't like that, but okay. That's been going on for a while, but there's a new box set of not Capaldi 12. It's not Mark Gatiss, is it? And anyway, his companion on. is played by Mark Yaz's Gatiss. sister. Oh. Oh. Not oh, playing Yaz's sister. So there's a companion played by the same actor who plays Yaz's sister. So what yeah. I mean is all these actors play lots of different roles, so I, I'm not yeah. sure that's a negative. It's the Doctor Who family slash really closed shop. Exactly. Yeah, depending on which way you want to look at it. Anyway, next minus. Doogie Hauser slash Barney Stinson was given diabolical material and unable to raise it into an entertaining performance. I think we covered that as well. Yeah, he's our friend who agrees with us. Yeah, he was obviously having fun while most viewers were not. Also, most reviewers. The toy maker's <laughs> not a Time Lord, so he can't be recast. Ergo, Michael Goff's still the only real one. But... I'm not trying to disagree with you here, Ollie, but I'm just offering an alternative reading. I'm not so sure the toy maker, having been an eternal, having been one of the guardians, I'm not sure his it's there. It's, I think, is possibly the yeah. most accurate pronoun here. The vastnesses. I'm not sure its natural singular appearance is that of a human. So Michael Goff was also just an appearance that he chose. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I can believe that. Anyway, final minus. So as a bloke, I'm being told to, quote, let things go by a man who twice has proved himself incapable of letting Tennant go. First, the half-human left with Rose Tyler in a parallel universe. Now the fully Time Lord settled one, Shay Noble, <laughs> that keeps a TARDIS on standby just in case. Oh, nice to know they've not done anything to undermine his successor before our tutee even gets going then. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Oli does give this trilogy, this era, a rating of 1.4 Zingo rides. Holy moly, Oli. Bravo. Yeah. You echoed a lot of what we said. We promise we didn't read it beforehand. Great, Maxi. If you want to follow Ollie online, because he sounds like your kind of dude, you can follow him on Instagram at Foggy Doctor Who. Thank Fabulous. you very much, Ollie. Yeah. And he does say the usual caveat applies. Doctor Who content in the ones is still preferable to most other things on TV. Preach it, Ollie. Yeah, seconded. <laughs> And that abruptly brings us to the end of the 14th Doctor era. Yes, indeed it does. What's coming up next? There's not much to choose from. No, that's true. So let's see here. In the New Who category, we have the Church on Ruby Road. That's right. And we will probably be reviewing that next week. Yes, that's right. Exactly. With one Berliner at least, we I are assured. Super duper looking forward to having that conversation. I have been looking forward to having that conversation since regrettably watching that episode <laughs> in front of not just Kat, but... 
cat's mum. Yeah. Uh, you had your own return of Dr. Mysterio in front of a family moment. Exactly. Ah, oh, yes. I'm going to be holding you and Marie apart. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy. Join holy. us for a bloodbath podcast, land. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I heard so many positive things about it from colleagues today. Wow. Yeah. Including, oh, that song and dance <laughs> number is so good. I'm sorry. I respect you. Absolutely. Great. I'm glad that you have your own opinion. It's wrong. Yeah. And you're going <laughs> to scream into the ether for hours at a time to tell them why. <laughs> I shall. Great. Well, until that happens, where can we be found screaming in the interim? I can be found on Twitter slash X at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N, as well as at Who Back When, all in one word for your spelling convenience, where you can find all of us, methinks. Yes, I, Marie, and Jim are similarly englobed within that communal moniker. Yes. Can we also be found somewhere via the old emails? Yes, indeed. Whobackwhen at gmail.com. Oh, how marvellous. No spaces or underscores or anything no it's <laughs> excellent branding you might say indeed right what a fabulous fabulous soiree here yes me too thanks so much to you and to you podcast land for mm. listening maybe and catch you when we catch up with shooty until the next time be rad and excellent to each other and bye bye yes indeed thank you so much for listening you've been a lovely audience rock on and uh be rad and excellent to each other why don't you ciao ciao Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?